0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kings Way Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Praise the Lord. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Tell him we love him this morning. Thank you, Pastor. So honored to be here today, see so many people that known and loved throughout the years. Somebody said, you don't look that much different. I said, I've got bigger bags under my eyes and more gray hair and maybe a few pounds. Maybe we we won't claim that, <laughs> but maybe a few pounds. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go with me to Isaiah 43, 19. And I've wrestled with what I was going to share this morning. And this is a brand new message. I've never preached it before and it's I'm gonna I'm gonna try it out on you. Is that all right? And uh it's it's really uh about what God is doing in this new decade that we're entering into. We're not just entering into a new year, twenty twenty, but we're entering into a new era in the body of Christ. We have not been this way before. God is doing a new thing. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about that. So honored to be here with my beautiful wife. I love her so much and we've been married next March the 25th, you only forget your anniversary once. March the 25th, I always used to say we either got married on the 25th or the 26th. I knew it was one of those two days, but it was the 25th. And I don't know what year it was because every time I give the year, I give it wrong. One time I was up here uh, preaching and I said, we got married in 1998. Beth spoke right up. She said, we got married in 1988. She said, let's get that right, because my daughter was born in 1995. She said, let's get that right. So there was a whole group that used to sit on the front pew, and any time I would start to say something about a date, they would say 1988, 1988. But we've been married, we'll be 32 years. On our 30th anniversary, we went to England and uh, felt led to go to a little town called Bradford, England, when we flew into Manchester, never fly into Manchester. It's the worst airport in the world. Most disorganized place I've ever been. Won't give you a gate. When they call you a gate, you got to run for a mile to try to get to the plane. So flying to Heathrow, don't do not go into Manchester. That's the word of the Lord for today. Do not fly into Manchester. So we went to Manchester, and when you go through customs, they ask you a lot of questions. And I said, "This is our 30th anniversary, and we're going to Bradford." He said, "Why in the world would you go to Bradford?" I said, "Well, there was an evangelist there by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of him?" He had a church there, and the church closed over 100 years ago. And a group, the Lord put the group together. The building's owned by a Muslim. It's in a Muslim neighborhood. You park in a Muslim parking lot where they have a Muslim restaurant. They're all Pakistanis there in that community. But that Muslim said somebody's supposed to come here and open a church, and he wouldn't sell the building or let anybody have it. And they reopened the building, and the Lord told us to go and, and be in, in that service. So we went and we was in that service. While we were there, there was a lady and a whole group that came. Her name was Lillian Finn. She is the great granddaughter of Smith Wigglesworth. Her and her husband have been missionaries to Africa. As a matter of fact, she was born in Africa. They have a church in South Africa that runs thousands of people. And we met her, she prayed with us. We all stayed at the hotel together. We ate lunch together. The BBC, the British Broadcasting Company came and filmed all of the day of of all that was happening in that time, and we were there in that history-making event. Well, there was a gentleman there. He does a Smith Wigglesworth tour. He takes you to where he was born. He takes you to where he's buried. He takes you to all the places that he lived. He takes you to places where significant things take place in your house. He does not drive. His name is Dutch Holland. I didn't know if that was real or not. You get on Facebook and and look up something and then go across the world not knowing who you're going to. You take a, a risk. But we knew the lord had told us to go so we went and we met dutch holland he's he's a precious brother he'd been a merchant marine all of his life sailed all over the world and he took us on this tour and he took us around and we met and we had fellowship with them there was a couple that was there the lady was from ethiopia she had lived in kenya her husband is over uh, cemeteries for england if you know anything about the history of england they had uh, conquered the world the British empire was worldwide and they have military cemeteries all over the world if there's a problem in India South Africa Argentina wherever he gets on a plane and he goes and solves that problem well this lady his wife is Ethiopian but they had lived in Nairobi Kenya she said what 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 church are you part of I said I'm a part of the International Pentecostal holiness church the IPHC she said, really? I, she said, do you know Philip List? I said, I sure do. Do you know Ron Wooten? She said, I do. He is our head missionary in Kenya. Ron and his wife, I think your church may support them here, uh, are in Kenya. They had been their pastors. So here we are in England meeting people who are of the same tribe that we're part of, know the same people that we know. Only God could orchestrate those things. So on our 30th anniversary we went to England. Now on our 32nd anniversary, we're probably just gonna stay home. Amen. We're not going to church. Usually I take her to a revival somewhere on our anniversary. She said, Why do you always take me to church? I said, We got married in church. I'm just trying to keep hope alive. Amen. (laughs) So so we will be going back to I'll be going to Panama next month. This will be my fourth, maybe fifth trip to Panama. And then in June we'll be going back to London. We're flying through Heathrow uh, and we're going to London. We'll be teaching. We have a tremendous ministry there. Our missionary is Harold Presley. I don't know if you know the Presley. Some of you may. Uh, They've been there many years. We have a church there called Fountain of Living Waters. We have a school of ministry. I'll be teaching in the school of ministry. This will be my fourth trip to England. And I'll be teaching in the school of ministry. And then we'll be preaching there in the Fountain of Living Waters uh, on, on Sunday morning. And it's a tremendous church. And I ask for your prayers. I covet your prayers. Many of you have probably gotten this book. I know Sean's bought quite a few of them. It's called 21 Days of Transformation. I either got to find some new places to go or write another book. Amen. But I have a few copies. Beth has them with them. They're $10. All the money that comes in from the book goes into our ministry, E4 Ministries which is a 501c3 that we set up some years ago to do missions and all of this helps us go around the world. I've sold a number of these and this has sent us around the world. I think in the last few years we've been to about 10 maybe 11 nations total and uh This has helped us do that. So if you don't have one and you'd like to have one, it's a 21-day study. You can read it over 21 days. Some folks just sit down and read it through. It's an easy read. I made it for men. I made it short and got big words. Amen. So uh, it's an easy read, and it'll help you in this time to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? You love Jesus. You ready for the Word this morning? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. And... uh, i want to read it from uh, the New King James Version, and then I want to share it from the Passion Translation. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's read it from the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says. I am doing something brand new. Everybody say brand new. Something unheard of. Even now it sprouts and grows and matures, don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and open up flowing streams in the desert. There is a six-letter word that we don't often hear talked about in church settings. It's simply spelled this way, C-H-A-N-G-E. Everybody say that with me, change. Change. I've never understood why we're so resistant often in the body of Christ to change in the church. Perhaps one reason is because uh, we are resistant to change is because we limit the Holy One of Israel by our past experiences or our, our own limited understanding. Recently, Beth and I, in a time of prayer and in seeking the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, in this season, don't limit me. Don't limit the Holy One of Israel. In Psalm 78 verse 41 it says yes again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. We must not limit God by our past experiences because God is greater than our past. We must not limit God by our own understanding because Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are my ways your ways says the Lord for the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so I believe we must take the limits off of God every year I go to the Lord and I seek God for prophetic direction for the coming year last year as I was seeking the Lord for the year 2019 he gave me the simple phrase GPS how many of you have a GPS in your car and as I came up to 95 today from Silver Spring where I was staying with my daughter, as I came up 95, Siri, and Siri don't understand me, Siri just cannot get a hold of my southern accent. <laughs> I can ask for a Coca-Cola and, and, and get directions to the zoo, amen. And, uh, but Siri said, as you come up here, take the exit to the right, on there was no exit to the right, it was just 95 was going right. I thought, that's not an exit, she got that wrong. GPS, Global Positioning Systems. And GPS simply stood for this. G was the goodness of God. How many of you experienced God's goodness last year? Somebody didn't have a house and received a house. That's the goodness of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody got their heart fine-tuned, didn't have to have a pacemaker. That is the goodness of God. Did anybody experience the goodness of God? As a matter of fact, when I drove up, I saw it right up on the on the it used to say exit 32B and and all of that, but now it says God is good. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God revealed his goodness, and he's not finished revealing his goodness in this year. The second thing, P stands for positioned by God. There was a lot of movement in the body of Christ last year. There was a lot of shifting and shaking in the body of Christ. God's just trying to get us in position because God's about to visit us one more time in these last days. God's not finished with visitation. The church's best days is not behind it because the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former house. Can you say amen? Then the last uh, S, GPS, the last was for storms. Last year was stormy. Some of us walked through some storms. I'll say last year was one of the most challenging years that Beth and I have had in ministry, in our whole ministry, of 32 years or more. It was a challenging year. It was a stormy year. But I want to tell you the goodness of God and the positioning of God resulted from the storm. Some of you are encountering some storms today, maybe in your health, maybe in your finances, maybe in your emotions, maybe in your family. I don't know where you are today, but God knows where you are. And I've come to tell you that the storm's not going to tear you up but God is going to use the storm to take you up the storm is not going to overwhelm you but in the midst of the storm God is going to reveal his goodness we serve a good good father can you say amen Amen. if I had to title this year I would title title it as the year of double the year of double now when I get an ice cream I don't want a single scoop I want a double scoop come on somebody I want that thing piled high because ice cream is of the Lord. I was in a conference this weekend and, and, and I was sitting at the table with the pastor and they were coming by and they said, would you like cake? I said, oh, sure. And one of the pastors said, oh no, I can't have cake. I said, oh, cake's in the scripture, brother. Elijah told the widow, Seraphat, bake me a cake that I might live. I said, you can have cake in Jesus name. Come on somebody. And I said, I'll take a double portion of that cake. Hallelujah. And maybe one day I'll get some carrot cake. You know who you are. I don't know. I'm just. (laughs) Why would I call this a year of double? It's 2020 double recently in a time of prayer. The Lord spoke these words. He said, you will break through 2020 will be a year of double double for your trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to have double for my trouble, but we're not just entering a new year. We're entering a new decade. And we're also entering into a new era. Joshua chapter 3 verse 4 says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. We must learn in this season to follow the ark of his presence. We must allow him to lead and direct our footsteps. We must return to being led by the Spirit. Too many in the church today allow the culture to define their values. We surrender to the pressures of our culture and abandon the boundaries of the Word of God. Listen to Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 through 18. I say then walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law. Romans 6.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That word son is huios in the Greek. It means a place of maturity. You have come to a place of maturity in the things of God. The Holy Spirit has not come to thrill us. He's not come to entertain us or to make us feel good. He has come to manifest Jesus and to make us fall in love with Him. I love what David Wilkerson writes, and this is a quote from my book, that the mission and ministry of the Holy Spirit is threefold. Number one, to wean us from the world and to create in us a longing for the soon appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, to convict us of everything that would blemish us. Ephesians 5.27 says that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle nor any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. Number three, to turn our eyes away from everything but Jesus. How do we navigate the days that we live in? How do we enter into this new era? We allow the Lord to direct our footsteps. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Now, if you go back and you study the calendar, we are on what's called the Gregorian calendar. We have a solar calendar. But if you go back and you study the Hebrew calendar, the Jewish calendar, that calendar we're on the year 5780. How many of you know God has a calendar and God encodes prophetic messages in his calendar? I love to study out the months of the Hebrew calendar and I love to study out the feast and I love to study out the year. So this is the Hebrew year 5780. This is a new decade. The Hebrew letter for 80 is the letter pay, P-E-Y. Pay is a picture of the mouth. This last decade was the decade of I-N, A-Y-I-N, and it was about seeing. This decade is about speaking. Somebody said, well, this is 2020, should be the year of perfect vision, should be, year to be the year of complete vision. Well, we just finished 10 years, a decade of seeing. Now it's to begin to say what we saw. When I speak, I'm giving expression to what God wants to do in the earth. The Bible says when we're born again, we have to confess with our mouth. So this year we have to watch over what we say. Now I'm a good driver. I'm the best driver in South Carolina. This morning we were sitting at a stoplight and my wife said, I forgot how long these stoplights are. I always said if Jesus come, I'd be at a stoplight. Amen. We have stoplights. Ours are not as long as yours, but our people don't understand that green means go. They think it means think about it for half an hour. So I'm always behind them saying, let's go. Come on. It's time to go. It's green. It won't get any greener. And my daughter always says, please don't grumble, Daddy. Please don't talk. So I'm having to watch over what I say. So now I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, move. (laughs) Pays a picture of the mouth. It's a decade about speaking this will be a decade to say what needs to be said so we must testify prophesy and decree the word of the lord so what are you speaking over your circumstances what are you declaring over your health today recently the lord told me don't be moved by what you see but be moved by what i say isaiah 32 1 listen to what it says from the passion translation Look, a new era begins. A king will reign in righteousness and his princes according to justice. Dr. Robert Heidler writes, There's a moment when time makes a shift and you gain momentum for your future. We're in a kingdom moment now. We've not just entered a new season, but a new era in the kingdom of God. An era is a fixed point in time from which a series of years is reckoned. An era can also be a memorable or important date or event in the history of a thing, person, or nation. An era is a system of chronological notation computed from a given date as basis. An era is a period identified by some prominent figure or characteristic feature or stage in development. In history, you had the Elizabethan era. And we're entering into, I believe, a new Kingdom era, and we're in uncharted territory. We have marched off the map. We're in a pivotal year, even for our nation. How do we enter this new year? How do we enter into this new era and into this new decade? We enter this era in the fear of God and on our knees in prayer. James 5 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And one key scripture for this year is our text, Isaiah 43, 19. And it's a key scripture for entering into this new era or this new decade. The New Living Translation says this, For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Let me get some of this living water. I think my wife took it. god bless her <laughs> thank you griffin gave it to me this morning they said it's living water i said hallelujah you love jesus so this is a brand new day he's doing something unheard of listen to the question that he asked in isaiah 43 19 he says do you not perceive it do you not see it there's that 2020 do you not perceive what god is doing so what is god revealing for this decade i recently heard a trusted prophetic voice say this he said the weight w-a-i-t is this living water too okay thank you the weight w-a-i-t how many of you like to wait anybody i mean it's in the constitution somewhere we're Americans. we shouldn't ever have to wait Come on. If we go to a restaurant and there's too many people in that restaurant, we'll spend another 45 minutes going to find another restaurant to eat in so we don't have to wait 30 minutes in that restaurant. Well, I'm preaching good and can't get a better help in here this morning. Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> the wait. Some of us have been waiting on the promises of God. Some of us have been standing in faith. Some of us have, have almost gotten to the point where we want to give up on the promises of God because it has been so long. But I've come to tell you the WAIT, the wait is over. But not just the WAIT, but the weight, the W-E-I-G-H-T, the heaviness, the oppression, the, the difficulty, the, the spirit of heaviness that has been around that thing. That weight is over too. It is a brand new day, and God is doing a new thing. Can somebody say Amen. You see, this is the season to take your mountain. And the Lord has really dealt with me about this little prefix, R-E, re. Re from the dictionary says it is a prefix occurring originally from loan word from Latin, used with the meaning again or again and again to indicate repetition with the meaning of back or backwards to indicate withdrawal or backward motion. Regenerate, refurbish. Re simply means to do again. Some years ago, my wife used to sing a song. He'll do it again. I've come to tell you he'll do it again and again and again and again. So this morning, I want to share some things that I believe God is saying related to this little prefix, re. The first word that I want to give you this morning that God is saying to us as a body of Christ is the word recompense. And I mean over and over since probably about October The Lord, everywhere we turn, the Lord is speaking to us and giving us this word recompense. Recompense. In times of prayer, the Lord will say recompense. We'll just see it. We'll hear it. Have you ever noticed when God is highlighting something in your life, you'll start seeing it and hearing it in multiple sources? The Lord began to deal with my wife some years ago. This is her testimony, and you should hear her preach this sermon about hope. And he told her that in the year that our first child passed away, we lost our first child. Many of you know that testimony. Stillborn. It'd be 26 coming this May. That she said she lost her hope. She just didn't get her hopes up. If something was good, it was good. If something was bad, she dealt with it. But she didn't get her hopes up. And in the midst of all this, God said, it's time for you to get your hopes up. And God started highlighting hope. And for about three years now, every single day, she hears it, sees it, some way she'll see hope. And one day, we were up in Clemson, y'all heard of Clemson, they just lost to LSU. Every team that I have pulled for has lost. What happened to the Ravens? We were supposed to win everything. I mean, I even bragged about it, you know. Then I pulled for the Houston because of Deshaun Watson. They lost. So I'm pulling for San Francisco now. So they'll lose because I want Kansas City to win. If you're a 490, 49ers fan, you can repent. Amen. <laughs> but she starts seeing the word hope. And we were in Clemson one day. And at that time, my daughter was a, uh, a student there. And we used to go up and, and take her and whoever else she could find to, to supper. One night I was taking her to supper. She said, Dad, I accidentally invited 13 people to come with us. I said, how do you accidentally invite 13 people to come to supper with us? She said, well, this one heard that we were going in that one. And I had to, I said, well, let's quit inviting so many at one time. But we have a ministry to college students, as many of you know. So we wound up taking about six of them to supper. And that night she said, I hadn't seen it all day. And I said, well, Lord, maybe this is the time. And she walked into a little coffee shop. there called All In. And there on the, on the counter was a little jar that somebody had made for someone that was struggling physically and they were asking you to put change in and across that jar was written hope. So she made a picture and sent it to me. Look, hope, I saw it today. Just has seen that word and God has highlighted that and that's become a big part of her ministry and her ministry is called Letters of Hope today. It's become a part of our life, that word hope. So if God is highlighting something in your life, he's saying something to you, he's speaking something to you. And one of the words that God is highlighting for this season is the word recompense. Now recompense is about payback. The enemy has to pay us back in the decade of pay. I've just been saying it this way, Lord, I'm going to get my pay in pay. (laughs) And everywhere we turn, we hear and see the word recompense. Last Tuesday evening before we went to bed, Beth said, I asked the Lord to give me a verse to read. And he just simply impressed on her, go to Isaiah 62, 11. And on her iPad, I guess is where she was at, the version that she had turned to on her iPad was the amplified version. Listen to what it says. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth... Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes in the person of the Lord. Behold, his reward is with him and his work and recompense before him. Now what is recompense? Let me tell you what recompense is. Recompense is repayment with indemnification. Recompense as defined as to repay, remunerate, reward, As for service, to give or pay compensation for, to make restitution or requital for damage, injury, or the like. Recompense is more than just being repaid. It is repayment with interest. Somebody ought to give God praise there. When I was living here and I lived in Abingdon, Maryland, one day I was there on, uh, on... whatever road that is, they're coming home from Bel Air, and I was sitting at a, at a red light. That's what you do in Maryland. I lived here 13 years, 10 of them, I was stuck in traffic, amen. And, and so I was at this stoplight, and a guy just plowed right in the back of me. I didn't see him coming, I couldn't brace for it, and he hit me and just knocked me forward. He jumped right out, came right up to look, at. he said, man, I'm so sorry, this is my wife's car, just driving it from the shop. Something happened to the brakes, I just could not stop, and he hit me. So I had some physical issues as a result of that accident, so I had to go through therapy, I had to go get x-rays, I had to do all those things. So his insurance company called me, and they would call me pretty regular and say, we want you to sign this paper so that I can get released and we can close this claim. And I wouldn't sign the paper just yet. I said i want to make sure that everything's good and i just you know trying to be wise not trying to get anything that i shouldn't get or anything but how many of you know that sometimes insurance companies will just kind of press you a little forward i'm preaching good and can't get no help in here (laughs) so finally the lady called me one day and she said well i see you finished your treatments i see have you been out of work and did you miss time at work i said well i'm on salary and i never missed any time from work and you don't have to reimburse me for that She said, but we want to give you something for pain and suffering. I said, oh, I've had a lot of pain. And I've had a lot of suffering in my life. I might have even broken into song. You know, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. (laughs) But they gave me money for pain and suffering. That's a good definition of recompense. Beginning this year, there's going to be recompense. The enemy's going to have to repay us with interest, and he's even going to have to give you some money for the pain and the suffering that you had to walk through in that season of trial as those storms came upon you in the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, but the enemy's stolen some things from my family, and I'm ready to see him repay my family for our losses. And I'm not just going to get back my stuff. I'm getting it back plus interest. Now what does the Bible say about recompense? Let me give you these real quick and we'll move on. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 35 says vengeance is mine and recompense. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty one. 21 the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of my hands he has recompensed me Psalms eighteen twenty says the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of my hands he has recompensed me Isaiah 35 verse 4 say to those who are fearful hearted be strong do not fear behold your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God he will come and save you in Proverbs eleven thirty one, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth how much more the ungodly and the sinner. In Proverbs 16:31 it reveals that the thief has to restore sevenfold what was stolen. It's time for somebody in this house today to rise up in faith and declare I'm going to receive repayment for all the things the enemy stole from me and I'm going to get it with indemnification. I'm going to have it with interest in the name of the Lord. Come on somebody and give God praise. The second thing that God spoke to me is this will be a year that he will reopen doors. What does that mean? I wrote this down and I said, Lord, I want to research this. I want to find out what this means. Doors that have been closed will reopen this year. In 2017, the Lord instructed me to take a key. I gave my key to my wife. And I, you remember I came here with keys, gave everybody keys. I took those keys all over the place. I took them to London. I took them to Panama. I, got on a, I, I had four guys with me going to Panama, and I gave them all keys. We had about 500 keys. We had these bags of keys. And when I went through the security, the guy said, what in the world is all these keys? I said, look here. I'm a pastor. I'm going on a mission trip. This is a sermon. And I gave him a little synopsis of the sermon. He said, oh, praise the Lord. He said, I just came. There you go. There's a key. This thing has been to Lebanon everywhere. It's going to Turkey in a few weeks. Praise God. And I took that key and I said, here's what I'm doing I'm taking these keys and preaching a message in Panama he said oh praise the Lord he said I just got back from the Dominican Republic I'm a believer just bring your keys on through so the Lord just got our keys on through the airport I'm telling you when I left Panama every kid in Panama everybody in that church had a key around their neck the pastor had it around the dash of his car he said it's the key to the kingdom and I mean God used that and on a Friday night in Panama we had a Holy Ghost service where God opened the heavens and he broke oppression and an attack that had gone on against that church where a powerful witch had put a death warrant on that pastor and his pastor's family out of Venezuela and they for months had prayed and fasted and sought God and that night we took the key and we unlocked the heavens and the heavens came down and the glory of God invaded that church and I want to tell you something these keys have been something so just uh, last year the Lord spoke to Beth and I he said Go to D.C. and take a key. Take a key and go to D.C. See, I'm simple, so God speaks to me in simple ways. And I took my key, and I went all over D.C. Before I came here, and I prayed, and I unlocked things. My wife, my daughter flew up on a Friday, and I picked her up at BWI because she was going to talk to them at Catholic University. She would already been accepted, but they hadn't offered her any money. She said, Daddy, I, I've got to have a breakthrough. I've got to have that. We took our key and went around D.C. praying. Listen, not only did they offer her a scholarship but they gave her a fellowship the Angleton fellowship they give it out every three years to one student she's she, after we unlocked what God was doing with that key God provided for my daughter yeah. now I got to take another key and go around <laughs> see if I can get some more money hallelujah for her <laughs> and today she's in Catholic University as a PhD student because God used that key so on this journey I used this key to lock up the past and unlock the promised provision, and the unfulfilled prophecies of the past that had not yet been realized. I did not realize that the following year would be the year of the door. When I started studying out the Hebrew year, I thought, wow, it's the year of the door. The year before, I'm going along unlocking, unlocking, unlocking. The next year, it's the year of the door. I already had the key in my hand for the door that God was about to open. Doors in Scripture represent the following. Let me move quick because I want to minister to some people this morning. Number one is entrance. Entrance, Genesis four seven. If you do well, you will not be will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desires for you, but you should rule over it. Number two is access. Jesus said, "I am the door of the sheep." He also said, "My sheep know my voice." Now notice Jesus is at the door. He's the door. He's the key and it's access, it's access to the father. We pray to the father in the name of Jesus. And then what he says, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pastor. You go down to verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10. It says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Where's the battle? It's at the door. It's at the door of your breakthrough. It's at the place of your breakthrough. That's where the battle is. Number three, a door represents opportunity. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul says, A door was opened to me in Troas by the Lord. Number four, a door represents revelation, invitation. Revelation 4.1, After these things I looked and I heard a voice like a trumpet, and it was saying, Come up higher. And I felt a door open in heaven. God opened a door in heaven. That is an invitation to come to the throne room of God. To sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But that is also a place of revelation and unveiling where God will reveal what he has for you. Some of you are wondering what does God have for me next? Where is my place? What is God going to do with me? What I want to tell you there is a door opened in heaven where God will reveal to you what he has for you in this season. Can somebody give God praise? Number five, a door represents power acts fourteen twenty seven Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Number six is deliverance acts five nineteen but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. You remember Peter, locked up in prison, in solitary confinement, in the maximum security cell because he preached Jesus, he was a threat. To that whole religious structure. And they were getting ready to execute him. And the Bible said the church was praying without ceasing. Man, they was having a prayer meeting. I believe it was a Pentecostal prayer meeting. Man, they was praying loud. Come on, somebody. They was praying loud. They, was, they were serious. They were travailing before God. They were walking around praying. And the Bible said Peter was asleep. Now listen, if I was facing execution tomorrow, I might not be asleep. I might be trying to think of a way to get a hold of my attorney to get me a last minute appeal. But Peter had perfect peace and the church was praying and an angel came into that prison, walked right through those steel doors. And when Peter came to himself, he's standing out on the street outside the prison. Come on, somebody. And he went to the church and knocked on the door of the church and they wouldn't let him in. They said you can't be peter you're in prison and we're in here praying tells me they weren't praying with a lot of faith but god honored their prayers come on somebody and god will open a door for you even if it's in prison and bring you out i've come to tell you he's a god of deliverance and the last thing a door represents is protection is this okay Protection, Exodus 12, 7, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two board posts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Put the blood of Jesus on your door. Hallelujah. There's power in the blood. There's protection in the blood. A door represents the protection of God. So what does it mean that God is reopening doors? Well, what about that promotion or increase you were promised, but something happened and you didn't receive it? You knew that job was yours. You prayed about it. You knew in your heart that was supposed to be my position. But something happened. Politics got in it. They gave it to the the boss's nephew. And you were robbed of that promotion. God's going to reopen a door for you this year. What about that promised opportunity? Perhaps the enemy hindered the door you knew was from the Lord from opening. This is a year of reopening doors. And Rick, as I've been preaching, I've been hearing the Lord saying there's a reopening of doors that have previously been closed for your ministry. God is about to explode your ministry. God is about to do such a thing that you're going to be heard, your voice is going to be heard, not just in one nation or two nations, but in many nations, nations plural. And doors that have previously been closed that you felt... I'm supposed to go to that place, but yet the door didn't open. That door is going to reopen this year in the name of Jesus. Somebody give God praise in this place. Revelation 3.8, I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. Lift your right hand and say, Lord, I'm ready for my door to reopen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third word the Lord spoke to me this year, and it starts with re, is relationships. Relationships. How many of you know the kingdom functions on relationships? That's why we need to come to church. That's why they were talking about it this weekend in a conference. They said people go to Bedside Baptist. I thought, what in the world is Bedside Baptist? Said they watch it on Facebook Live while they're in the bed. (laughs) The Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We need one another to encourage one another. To help one another. To pray for one another. You won't get that at Bedside Baptist. you at church in your pajamas. Come on somebody. (laughs) (laughs) There are key relationships God's placing on your path this year. And the Lord specifically spoke to me about new and renewed relationships this year. This several months ago i was praying and i i just happened up on facebook and i saw this conference and the lord said you need to be at that conference i said lord i got so many things to do and january is not the time to come to maryland it might be snowing and i know it's not your will for me to be cold so he just sent cold weather to south carolina i thought yeah so this weekend two relationships got renewed I got reconnected and those relationships are going to mutually be beneficial and they're going to open doors in the future for ministry renewed relationships watch God reconnect you to relationships from your past this year elements of your past are going to meet your future there will also be new key relationships who will become what we call destiny helpers I pray for a butler. Remember when Joseph was in prison? The butler came. He interpreted his dream. He got restored to Pharaoh. It was that butler who later opened the door for Joseph to Pharaoh. And Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. I pray for a butler to come that will open a door to your Pharaoh. I pray for a Boaz. Remember Ruth? She's a Moabitess. She's not an Israelite. She had to be... be be proselytized into the Judaism. But Boaz advocated for Ruth, and Boaz married Ruth, and Jesus came from the lineage of Boaz and Ruth. Woo-hoo! I pray for a Boaz to advocate for me. You feel like God has something for you? You feel like God's leading? Start praying for God to raise up destiny helpers, people who advocate for you, people who speak for you. Have you ever heard this phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know? Well, you know somebody today. His name is Jesus. Reopened doors will come through a relationship God strategically places on your path. Proverbs 18:24 says, "A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother." 2 Corinthians six fourteen. do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? This is a year of relationships. Watch those relationships. Watch those destiny helpers that come into your life. Watch that supervisor that takes an interest for you and says, I see potential in you. I see something in you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to work with you. That particular person is going to be the relationship that opens the door for your promotion or for the place that God has for you. So get ready and watch those relationships. Number four, and this is a big one, there's a removal of reproaches this year. I wish I could just preach this. If you study the life of Joshua, there are three stops in the life of Joshua. The first is Jericho. Jericho was walled up to the heavens. I've been to Jericho. It's in under Palestinian authority now. It's actually is illegal for G- Israeli Jews to go to Jericho. They, they, they have a place there. They built a, uh, you know, a souvenir shop. You go to all the holy sites and you, you exit through a gift shop. <laughs> it's like Disney World. <laughs> But I've been to the ruins where the walls, ruins are. I've been there. I was in Jericho, and I, I felt the oppression of Islam that was there. I felt the oppression of that place. I don't ever care to go back there again. If I go to Israel, I may not go to Jericho this time. Beth's walking around. She's not feeling anything. She's having a good time. I'm feeling all that oppression. I'm feeling all of that from the enemy. So I told her, so I'm going to walk out here. And when I walked out, they have a, a little pavilion there, and they have what's called Elisha's Spring. And it says, may peace cover the earth. I thought in this place of conflict, in this place of, 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 of war, there's a beautiful testimony. May peace cover the earth. And it's Elisha spring. It was the spring where there was healing. And they believe there's healing that flows from that. And I walked out there and there was a group of Jewish students that were there. And that piqued my interest because I knew it was illegal But yet they had come not from Israel, but they'd come as a tour, and they're there. And I'm listening to the guy. He's teaching some, and this Palestinian guy walked up to me. He says, where are you from? I said, the United States. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Come to my shop. I'll give you a cup of coffee. I don't know if you've ever had their coffee, but your hair comes out when you drink it. He says, I have a picture of your president. I said, which president? He said, Jimmy Carter. I said, no, thank you. I've been to Jericho. That was the first stop into the promised land where they had to defeat the Jericho. The second place they went to was a place called Gilgal. The third was a place called Shechem. Jericho and Shechem were bookends in Joshua's life. But they came to a place called Gilgal. Gilgal means to roll away. Joshua 4.19 says now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 5 verse 2 and 4 Joshua made flint knives and he circumcised the sons of Israel who had never been circumcised in the wilderness. Now think about this. He turned his back on his enemies and he incapacitated his armies. God required him to do this. Sometimes God will require you to lay down your weapons and to incapacitate you in the presence of your enemies because God is going to fight your battle for you. And he told them, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. In verse 9, after all the Jewish men had been circumcised, we learned the results. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. I want you to see this. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. What was the reproach of Egypt? The children of Israel were on the stage of the nations. They were making fun of them that they were slaves in Egypt. If God is so good... If the God you serve is great, how can a great God allow you to be slaves? A reproach is the wagging of the tongue of the enemy. And he'll say this, there's an inconsistency between your testimony and your predicament. I'm testifying that God is good, but I'm dealing with sickness in my body. I'm testifying that God is my healer, yet I have sickness in my body. I'm testifying that God is my source and my supply, yet I'm battling a financial issue in my life. You see, a reproach is when your promise does not meet up with your circumstance. And he said, now I'm going to roll away the reproach of Israel. Their testimony rises up that they serve a mighty God. They serve a mighty God. Yet, how can you testify how great God is when your circumstances are not what they should be? I like what Ron Carpenter Jr. said. He said, I was broke, but I didn't think I was supposed to be. I was sick, but I didn't think I was supposed to be. I had trouble from the enemy, but I didn't think I was supposed to. You see, the Bible said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It didn't say weapons wouldn't be prospered. didn't say the enemy wouldn't come against you. But it said the enemy cannot cause that weapon to prosper because you're a child of the king. And sometimes when I'm believing God for a certain thing the very opposite of what God has promised me is what I'm experienced and the enemy will come and say if God said that how can you how can you be in this place if God really said that why are you in this place that you're in you haven't seen the realization of what God promised you did God really say that and I mean he comes to sow doubt that is the reproach of Egypt but I've come to tell you that in 2020 beginning this year and throughout this God is about to roll the reproach of Egypt off of us God is about to roll the reproach of the past off of us God is about to embalm the past. God is about to put the past behind us. God is about to do something new. I believe we're coming into a time of a divine reset. When your pastor first became youth pastor here at this church, he was walking around with a MacBook under his arm. And I needed a new computer. And he came come along and he convinced me to buy a MacBook and i went to the apple store in towson and i went in and i bought a white 2008 macbook weighed about 30 pounds carried it all over the place thought it was portable nothing like today from that time on i've been stuck i have an iphone an ipad an apple watch a imac I, i'm all apple and now i'm probably more fervent about it than he was then matter of fact people in my church have abandoned PCs and gotten MacBooks. I told them that's the only way you're going to go to heaven. You got to get rid of that junk. Our church is not apostolic, but it's apostolic. Come on somebody. And ever so often this technology don't work. Not long ago, I reset, the, I updated the the software on this watch, and it wouldn't work. I mean, it would not work. I blamed it on Apple and their buggy software. I said, they just recently. But the truth is, some bug got in there. You know what I had to do? I had to take it through what's called a hard reset. Sometimes when your phone don't work, and you call 1-800, whatever it is, Apple, and that technician, they said, have you tried resetting it? I said, honey, I've reset that thing so many times, it can't be reset anymore. But what they'll do is they'll have you to reset that system. And when you reset that system, it has a way of clearing out the old. Therefore, it can operate in the way And God is bringing us into a place of divine reset. As a matter of fact, there's a divine reset that's taking place in this house this morning. God is about to roll away the reproach. He's about to reset some things in our lives. I'm about to be finished. Enemy criticizes, condemns, and mocks. But God is about to remove the reproach of Egypt. The last thing that God is going to do in this season, he's about to rewrite your story. I wrote this book. I kept having these prophecies about books. I've got several outlined. I've got one written. And it'll be released whenever I get time to chase after it. But if I told you, I, brought my, I had my daughter to edit this. There were so many red marks that I almost gave up. I thought, man, this is just, she said, I said, she said, dad, you don't write, you don't put commas here. I said, well, when I came up, you put a comma there. She said, yeah, but that's the old rules. I said, well, I write according to the old rules. He said, no, daddy, you just make up your own rules. <laughs> but this book had to go through several rewrites. And the purpose of the rewrite was so that the message could be delivered much more clear. And so that the book would have a flow. God's about to rewrite some stories. So that the message can shine forth in a greater way. And there's a greater flow in your life. Some of you told, you told you that there's no hope for you. I've come to tell you God's about to rewrite your story. Yeah. Yeah. Psalms 139, 16. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Isaiah five nineteen from the... Passion translation, let the prophetic plan of the Holy One of Israel quickly come to pass so we can see what it is. Some of you are going to experience a rewrite this year. Some people may have written you off. The enemy may have written you off. But God's about to rewrite your story. And what the enemy meant for your harm, God's going to turn it around for your good. I think the enemy, what the enemy meant for your destruction, may very well be the thing God uses for your promotion. And I just want to close with this scripture Joshua 3 4. We've not been this way before. Lift your hands all over this room and let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for being patient. Allow me to work that message out on you. But I believe that's what God is saying to us for this coming decade. We have not been this way before. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.